So welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Darko Audio Podcast. First one of 2020. With us this month, with us today, we have one Paul McGowan from PS Audio. Welcome, Paul. Well, thank you, John. Um, I would have to qualify as PS Audio's chief troublemaker. Uh, yeah, officially I'm, I'm the, the, uh, the CEO mm. and one of the founders of the company. Right, right. Okay. Now we're talking today because of an email I sent to a whole bunch of, uh, CEOs, audio engineers about two weeks ago about USB cables. And I was asking, did you as an expert in the hi-fi field, think that there were audible differences between those USB cables or between any, between, is it possible to have a difference between two USB cables? And you said. It's a no brainer, John. Um, <laughs> anybody that actually listens to audio uh, can't help but know that of course there is. Right. Now you, do you use different USB cables in your listening room one? Do I, did I, did I call it right? Listening room one? Well, it's now listening room two. It used okay. to be it used to be that, but then we moved and we have three listening rooms, so it got the mm. center got center spot. Okay. Well, when you say, do I use different ones? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, in terms of you know, how did you arrive at this? Your finding that USB cables can potentially sound different to one another. Oh, geez, we've been dealing with that forever. It, 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 mm. it, look, it first started out as as a real irritant. Because what you hope for is some kind of consistency. I mean, that, that's really, at the end of the day, it's, you know, all that's a pain in the ass when something doesn't work right. And I can give you a number of examples like that where the last thing in the world we wanted was for it to be different. Mm. I, I remember, uh, I'll, I'll circle around back to your question as I do the famous Paul Ramble here. You could go ahead, ramble away. <laughs> Thanks. We we were at the Expona show in Chicago and we had set up, we had the new PS Audio speakers and, and a big setup. And and you've done enough shows to know that it's really hard. You you have one day in this mm -hmm. giant unknown room to set up an entire stereo system, all your, you know, marketing stuff. And it's 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 a challenge. I spend, you know, weeks and months, you know, fine tuning our listening room and to be mm -hmm. able to do that in a day, it's really hard. Anyway, so we're there and I, I forgot our USB cable. At the time we were using the Curious cable. Mm -hmm. I think that's yep. out of Australia. Yes, it is. Uh, yep. Sort of your, your hometown sort of. Kind of, sort of, kind of, yeah, yeah. Kind of, sort of, yeah, by, by, uh, by route of, uh, of Britain. But anyway, um, and we just, I mean, the sound was pretty good. It was not bad, but it was, it was struggling. And I got Scott, my son, to call hmm. our buddy Isaac from AudioQuest and pleaded with, he's on a plane. So the minute <laughs> he gets off a plane in Chicago, it's like emergency. You got to get, you know, and he came over and saved our bacon there. Mm. And here was the interesting thing we had. So here I am stressed about this USB cable and mm. I know it. Um, Darren Myers, our engineer knows it, but nobody mm -hmm. else in the room knows what we're stressed about or what's taking place except Scott. Mm -hmm. So the three of us know, and there must've been eight people in there. We had, we usually collect up a, a gaggle of, customers that are wandering the halls during setup days and mm. they're sitting in our in our seats and they're just talking and we're busy you know changing this and changing that they don't have a clue what's going on isaac walks in says you're lucky and handed me one of their audio quest usb cables which i had never tried mm. and we went back without saying a word to anybody that we even did anything and changed the cable, turned on the exact same track at exactly the same uh, level, and every head in the room, it must have been eight people, turned and said, what the F did you just do? That is mm. huge. And it huh. absolutely was huge. So is that a, an official double blind? I, I can hear the measurementists going, scoff, scoff, scoff. At the, you know, I, I can hear right. it. 
But I mean, that's just one example of a. It just, I think it's a good example of how cables can make a difference. Yeah. So we we actually switched when I got back. I kept that cable <laughs> and went back right. to music music room two and compared it to <clears throat> the the, uh, the curious cable and. Hey, you know, it was a toss-up. Uh, Audio Quest makes some good stuff. Curious, you know, they had it was kind of like different flavors of ice cream. They're both good, but yeah. uh, you, you, I know, I mean, you of all people would know all of that. So anyway, end of rant. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, your your rant bears out my own experiences with trying probably like four or five different USB cables over the years and and hearing differences between them and not always better or worse, but definitely different. And I've had friends here corroborating that finding. I I tend to invite friends over when I get cables in just because I want to make doubly sure, because as you know, and as you've just alluded to, you, you do get these guys that really won't have a bar of it. But what that reminds me of, and the, the other reason I wanted to talk to you today was because I remember a Paul's post, I think you wrote a few years ago, about when you first introduced, um, I guess you'd call it audiophile grade or, or yeah, audiophile grade speaker cable. And I think the Paul's post was that you were almost laughed out of the room. Do I remember this correctly or was it you and somebody else? Ah, I, I, uh, it could have been. I, late seventies. Oh yeah. Well, that was, pro- I think what you're uh, thinking of uh, perhaps was the power cable, which is, it, 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 May- it, it could be, I mean, mm. I, I've done, I've done both. Right. And, um, or was it one, when the first time I experienced it, that there was, well, maybe, a- maybe it was that, I don't know, but it, I think it was the late seventies and people were not across the idea of having an audiophile type uh, yes. loudspeaker okay. cable. People were just yeah, using yeah, yeah. lamp cord and things like that. Right. Yep. So, yep. but now that is reasonably well accepted, but obviously there is a time where that transition, I call it the pain period, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a pain period that many people went through probably in the late seventies, early eighties in getting used to the idea or as that idea proliferated into the sort of collective wisdom of audiophilia, that audio, um, the loudspeaker cables can make a difference. And you were there then and I wasn't. So I wondered if you could speak to that. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you the story. St- um, Stan Warren, uh, so uh, PS Audio is Paul and Stan and mm-hmm. my, my uh, partner at the time, Stan Warren, who, uh, you know, I started the company with, we, we had no dealers at the time. Mm. We were just a couple of small weenies that were trying to sell this $59. Uh, I think we, at that time it had gone up to $120 for the phono stage. Mm-hmm. And we were desperate for some dealers. We were selling, everything was selling direct and we were doing okay direct, but, but we, we needed dealers. So there was a place in Santa Ana, California, when we were up north, about four hours north of there in Santa Maria. And there was a place called Absolute Sound. And um, the uh, it was owned by Neil Sinclair, who would later go on to uh, form Theta with um, Mike Moffat. Mm-hmm. And um, Neil was always a little flighty. So we had an appointment. We drove the four hours down and showed up. And Neil had decided not to uh, not to show up. And so there was Mike Moffat. Mike was running the. It was a little store, little high end store. Mm-hmm. And Mike Moffat was their technician. And uh, anybody that knows Mike, you know he's he's a character. And so he's, well, what are you, what are you guys pitching? And so we told him about this phono stage and he, he threw it onto the system and he was really impressed and we wound up mm. leaving it with him and they wound up, you know, becoming our first dealer. But while we were sitting there in the listening room, there wasn't a customer in the store. He had a pair of, um, what, what, John, what were the, the original quads? You know, the ones that looked like a, uh, uh the 57s. which ones? The 57s? Yeah, the 57s, yeah. Mm. So he had a pair of quad 57s. Mm. And I remember playing some Fleetwood Mac thing. Of course, it was on a turntable because this was in the 70s. And he said, you guys want to do a little uh, 
listening and, and hear something new? And we, yeah, sure. So we sat there and listened to this Fleetwood Mac cut. And he goes, okay, now I'm going to change something. And well, what are you going to change? Oh, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to change something. And you guys tell me if you hear a difference. So he, he went to the back of the speaker and did something and went to the back of the amplifier and did something and turned it on. And our jaws just dropped. It was like, holy shit, what did you just do? And he said, well, let's go back. And then we did this. He wouldn't tell us. It was four <laughs> or five times. And at one point he said, I'm not going to tell you whether I'm switching it or not. Yeah, I'm just going to go back here and maybe I am, maybe I'm not. And you could hear, I mean, it was so obvious. So anyway, we coaxed it out of him and he said, I'm changing the speaker cable. At the time he had, it was, um, what do they call it? Cobra cable. It was mm-hmm. Blitz wire out of, mm-hmm. got it out of China somewhere and compared that to lamp cord. So I, I imagine, I don't know if your audience knows what Litz wire is, but it's very, very, very fine, separately insulated strands, maybe 36 gauge. Right. Um, it's, all, it's intertwined, isn't it? Yeah, it's all intertwined. It's yeah. a real bear to terminate because mm-hmm. every one of the hundred strands is got an enamel uh, like a varnish on it as insulator. And you got to strip all that off. They're a real pain in the butt. And that's what he was comparing. And that was our first introduction to, uh, you know, to differences in wire. And it was dramatic. Mm. Yeah, that is the story that I remember reading about. That's exactly yeah. it. Now tell me, at that time, were most people still using lamp cord? Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, right. my, the, well, they were using lamp cord, but but a few people had uh i think monster cable had just gotten going and they mm-hmm. were selling a high-end version of lamp cord mm-hmm. <laughs> good old noel i don't know <laughs> it was just lamp cord but it had monster cable written on it and right. uh and I'd, i people just felt better buying it i we tried that and could never tell any difference in it but Right. It was just, but yeah, uh, most hi-fi stores at the time had big spools. Uh, you could buy it in, in 12 gauge, 10 gauge, uh, mm. 14 gauge, and it was lamp cord. And do you recall resistance initially to the idea that loudspeaker cable could make a difference to the sound of a, a hi-fi system? I mean, was it was there a time where this was just such a pain in the ass to talk about? Oh, my God. Right about now, yes, because it was, oh, this was voodoo, black magic, total bullshit. Mm. No, you know, and, and of course, everybody's an expert. And and what what always amazed us is people would just get on their horses and wave the flag of, uh, this is too stupid to even discuss. Mm. And we'd always ask them, have you actually tried it? Well, no. Why would I try it? That's foolish. Because you know, it's, it's, it's like coming on a campaign and saying that you know you don't like cilantro. Uh, ha- have you ever, <laughs> have you ever eaten it? Well, no. But I can tell you, you know, it's bad. Right. And I, I would respect somebody if they've if they told me that. Well, yeah, I've tried it and I don't hear any difference. Okay, great. Get back That's on exactly your horse. It. And- yeah. Yes, that's that's exactly the point, isn't it? If somebody comes to me and says, "Look, I've, I've tried these two things, and to me they sound the same," totally fair enough. You know, you just take that yeah. at face value. But this this idea of no, it can't possibly, in theory, from my armchair in, you know, the basement of my house where I listen. Yeah. You know, that's just it, it's immensely frustrating, and obviously this person doesn't have; they're not making themselves open to possibly having their minds changed. And the only way you can do that, really, the easiest way you can do that is through experience. I would disagree with that. Okay. I, and, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. I have routine, I mean, our, we encourage people uh, who visit Boulder to come visit us. There's a mm-hmm. lot of companies are kind of closed door and you have to mm-hmm. come with your dealer or whatever. And we're mm-hmm. quite the opposite. So we, we encourage people all the time to just come and visit and you get a nice, you know, hour and a half, two hour tour. You get to sit in the music room. Um, It's, it's, it's fun. And Mm -hmm. uh, we also encourage people, you know, to bring their biases with them. And I can't tell you the number of times that I have done a demo 
for somebody who wanted, you know, do wire, do, do power, power cables drive people nuts. I mean, mm -hmm. we're talking audio cables here. But if mm -hmm. you start talking power cables, th that really bends their minds. So I've done mm. the experiment and they hear it and I ask them, they go, well, yeah, it's different, but I, I can't explain it. So it's, it still doesn't exist. And they mm. typically walk off unconvinced that anything has actually changed in their mind. One exception to that, I wish I could think of his name. He's um, oh, such a nice young man. He's got a YouTube channel that's, uh, they were at Expona. I don't know. The the one guy, uh, his buddy, his partner, uh, no one had ever seen him. No one ever sees him. He does these uh, gear gear videos with a with a camera on his head. And you only see his oh, hands. Oh, you're talking about yeah. His, his name is Zeos or Z. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I totally blew it because I, I, I photographed him, and then everybody went nuts. But anyway, those, <laughs> those two, those two kids, kids, mm. you know, those two yeah. young men came. Um, listen to this old fart talking. Came in <laughs> and they, they were completely against the idea of cables. Right. They, they came in showed up unannounced and said, we're taking you up on your offer and we have brought a USB cable and mm. we want to, we want to experience this and we're going to report it one way or the other, mm. if you'll let us. And I said, yeah, of course. So we came up and they, those, those two were so funny because they, I mean, they were banging their heads against the wall because the big system is so revealing yeah, and it's so easy. And I said, you, you guys do it yourself or I'll do it for you. Like a lot of times when we do AB comparisons, my routine is I have one of our techs do it because mm -hmm. I don't want to know which one, if it, cause it biases me if right. I have expectations. So mm -hmm. that's how we first started out. I just said, well, you know, let's the three of us sit here and listen. And we had one of our techs, all right, cable A, cable B, go back, and then they then I just let them in the room by themselves, and they they mm. they did everything they could to disprove it, and they maybe just because they were young and open minded, but you know they walked away going, can't believe it, but it's true. So it does happen on occasion, but more often than not, even shown the evidence, uh, it, it doesn't seem to work. So you're saying that people actually deny the reality in front of them. Yes. Yes, they <laughs> wow. they come up well they come up with the alternate realities. Well, John, just look at the political situation today. Sure. I, mean, I, und I understand. And we're not going to everything... get it we're not going to get into politics, but I am just no, saying. No, we're not. Yeah. Um I'm just saying you watch that happen now you you're presented This guy just said I'm... it 2 seconds ago and well, yeah, but blah, 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 you know, right. you, they just don't want to change their, their right. so they, because it so requires they you, well, it requires <laughs> you to change, sorry, it requires, no, no, go you ahead, to, it requires you to change your world view. And once exactly. you, you right. have to do that, a whole bunch of other stuff changes and it's a lot easier not to go down that path. Right. That's, I mean, this is interesting because the, there's a lot of psychology behind it, but your story about, um, Zeus and his buddy is, is absolutely fascinating. I think that's really interesting for listeners here today. Um, but I, I guess what I was trying to do is tie together your ex, your first listening experience with Mike Moffat and loudspeaker cables yeah. and today with USB cables, because obviously back in the late 70s and early 80s, you went through the pain period or everybody went through the pain period with loudspeaker cables. And I think we're going through that now with USB and to a lesser extent, Ethernet. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that, or is? Oh, absolutely, and 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 I gotta say, um, as far as Ethernet is concerned, so here, here's here's Paul's prejudice. Mm -hmm. I have not tried it, and right. here's why: I have not tried it because it offends me as an engineer. <laughs> it, <laughs> yes, it probably does. <laughs> you I know, and I'm willing to admit yeah. it. I'm willing to right. admit it. I'm just, you know, I am offended because I can tell you every reasons why it should technically, why it should not work. And I, I, I don't, you know, I'm just either too lazy or whatever, but I'm, I'm not going down that road, not for a while. So 
is it fair to say then that you're in the same position as say the USB cable guys that don't want to listen or even when they do they might not want to know it and even if they hear it they don't they will deny it do you feel like you're in that in the precursor to that right now yourself well y- yes and no the first part yes I- i'm definitely in the thing where i don't want to go through it but <laughs> right f- for me if if i do hear it it's kind of like hearing the truth um once you hear it you can never i can't i can never deny it you know, mm. so I'll, I'll hide from something like, like if I have, if I, you know, if I think something wrong with me, I'll put off going to the doctor forever because once the doctor says, oh yeah, you got it. Like, oh crap. Not, now you can never escape from it. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. But once, no, once I hear it, I, I'm all in. So my, my method is just, if I don't want to be all in, I avoid it. You see, I've done it and yeah, it does bend the mind somewhat but then again when i first had a power cable 10 years ago you know um, a better sounding power cable that i mean i did not want to believe that i mean i was just i would i had just started with my website and the audio notes distributor for australia brought a cable over he said let's just try this with and it was a tube amp i had at the time and yeah. my mate was there and we both heard it we're like what the fuck is going on here <laughs> you know so and it's 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 so interesting to 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 you know to have your your world blown apart i mean for me it's a thrilling experience but as you've said previously for some people it's 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 very difficult for them yes. and i don't know whether this is an age thing i don't want to be too ageist about it but you were talking about zeos and his buddy being very open to that yeah. and then maybe older people coming in you know they've been an en- you know an engineer in their heads for 50 years and so this turns their world and also their history as an engineer probably upside down in three minutes. That's a lot to take in. So it is, it is. I had, do you know Mark Waldrop? I know him by reputation. I've never met him. Yeah. Dr. AIX or whatever. Yeah. He, he's a super nice, you know, wonderful man, mm. very knowledgeable. And mm. of course he's been on this rant that, high resolution audio doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day at the at our old building, he showed up and uh, and put me to the challenge. And I was fascinated because uh, we we had a number of standard resolution versus higher resolution pieces. Mark mm-hmm. sat there and listened to them and mm-hmm. I said, "Now, surely Mark, you you heard the difference." And he's shaking his head going, Absolutely. And I said, well, so you're changing your stance? Nope. And yeah, it was, you know, his, his, his thing was, it could have been math. And he's right. He's absolutely right. It could have been mastered different. There was, you know, I I happen to have known that these weren't, but Mm. that's okay. I can, I forgive him because he has enough knowledge to know that, you know, unless you do a really rigorous test, Mm. There's no way, but imagine him changing his not only worldview, but you know his whole economic model. That's that's right. That's a yes, lot to I mean, ask. it's a very inconvenient truth for somebody like him, which I think is the problem with nailing your colors to the mast and sticking to them for many years, isn't it? Yeah. And then you know this is this is the this is the issue. If you don't always maintain an open mind and go, yeah, that could possibly make a difference. I don't know, and I can't. Po- this is the interesting thing, actually. Is that most of us, most of us, like most of us out there on the internet discussing this kind of thing, we cannot possibly know for sure whether or not these things would make a difference based upon our education or our exposure to scientific testing at home or whatever. Because for me, I always, this is why I emailed you and a bunch of other engineers about USB cables, is I defer to experts. Now, this is a very unfashionable thing these days, deferring <laughs> to experts, but this is how, <clears throat> like, for example, we know that um, that the earth is spherical. Most of us do. Anyway, I don't want to get into the <laughs> earth society, but most of, most of us do, right? Wait a minute, now, it's flat. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. But, but we know that because we've been to school and we taught it. And schools teach it because experts have had their knowledge cascade down through education systems into schools, into teacher training, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. it all starts with expert thinking. Now, the where I think this problem with digital cables comes 
arises is that when the CD was launched, which is really the the birth of digital audio, as far as I can see it, maybe yep, you would yep. disagree. Right. Okay. Nope. Okay. So we were told ad nauseum that digital audio was perfect. It was just ones and zeros. It was incorruptible, immutable, and nothing you could ever do <laughs> to a CD mm-hmm. or any kind of digital source would change that. Right. Now that, that message, whether it was marketing or engineers or a mixture of the two, that really infected, and I use this term deliberately, infected, the thinking of many people who were into audio, hi-fi, whatever you want to call it, at the time. And that has caused a lot of, I won't say a lot of damage, but it makes engineers like you and I'm trying to think Gordon Rankin, the guys at shit, um, mm-hmm. other people that I emailed, it makes it much harder for them to say, actually, hang on a minute. That's not true. Digital audio isn't just ones and zeros. It, it isn't immutable. And it's much harder to unstitch all of that because that ones and zeros being perfect message went on for for decades. Oh yeah, like for yeah. most of the eighties and most of the nineties. So I mean, I bought into it. I used to I used to think this until I had um, well until my mate brought over a uh, a reclocker for my Logitech Squeezebox Touch. And mm-hmm. again, it was one of those moments where I had my 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 thinking was upended. But I'm like, okay, so. Obviously, something is going on here. Now, I can't explain it. I can't prove it. And people like people like message me now, going, "Well, you should prove it." Well, no, I just defer to experts, which is why I kind of pull on Gordon Rankin's coat, or you know, uh, what's uh, Thorsten Loesch at AMR, yeah. and ask them, you know, what's going on. I'm not trying to formulate answers myself, and I'm certainly not going to these sort of, um, I guess I call them amateur engineers that you know populate Facebook. There's so many of them, and you probably come up against them all the time. I go to experts. So we have to look, I'm I'm ranting here. That's okay. I I really believe we have to go back to the experts to to find out what the latest thinking is on digital audio. And that's what I've been doing recently. I have informally over the years, but I really, I'm really um, digging into this at the moment, hence this podcast. I mean, yeah, sorry, I've I've, yeah. <laughs> I've ranted there. No, I, what, I, what, I yeah, sorry. I guess no, what I'm I, saying is the thing, the thinking has changed. This is my message here. That the thinking yeah. used to be immutable ones and zeros, and now the thinking has changed, and the world is playing catch up, or the audio world is playing catch up. Well, yeah, but let me amplify, not mm. to make a pun, on your on your comment there, because mm. when you go to the experts, mm. which experts? Are you going to? Um, let me. Well, let well, me give yes. you an example. Yeah, let me Good give question. you an example. Yeah. Used to be back back when we started in the seventies, mm. the we used to call them the Julian Hirsch crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you remember Julian Hirsch. So there was a time when when the big magazines were Stereo Review and High Fidelity magazine, and they basically rule the world. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. you know, this is when Playboy was big and, uh, mm. you know, that whole era of, of, uh, slick magazines before, mm-hmm. um, Gordon started, you know, the little, the little pamphlet that was stereophile and later, mm-hmm. you know, Harry and Tass and all the, the mm-hmm. underground stuff. But right. during the Julian Hirsch era, he, mm-hmm. he ran a thing called the Hirsch Hauk Labs and they were measurementists uh, extraordinaire. And their whole premise was that anything that measured great sounded great, period. Right. And they and this was this was the thinking for every person into hi-fi that uh, something that measured poorly sounded poor. And the opposite is true. And when the 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 these this rash of Japanese receivers uh the big that was a you know a big deal everybody went from sort of these these separates into the you know these big mega receivers Mm -hmm. um they had a problem because people Mm -hmm. started saying well wait a minute this one doesn't sound as good as the other one yet it measures identically and and there and thus started you know the the julian hirsch wars i mean this guy went to his grave believing that everybody was was completely full of shit and mm. were deluding themselves. And and the last one I'll bring up is the do you I don't know if you're familiar with the McIntosh 
Macintosh clinics? No, so, not at all. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so no, that's all right. So at their time, well, you're just a young sprout, John. In the audio you're world, talking I am, to a, you're talking to an bare. old shit here. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, but during that time and even before that Macintosh mm. was making the, their, their name for themselves. You know, today Macintosh, mm -hmm. we, we referred to it as the kind of the old man stereo. People mm -hmm. want it cause it's got cool meters and it's what your dad had. And, but way back when, you know, when, when Klipsch was big and Macintosh was the, you gotta have peace. They had these Macintosh clinics that went from store to store with a technician and a, and a, mm -hmm. uh, and a distortion analyzer and a scope and a, and a meter. And people would line up and bring their equipment. And uh, you would, uh, they would have the Macintosh stuff and they'd show you how it measured. And of course, it's the best sounding stuff in the world was the premise. And mm. you would bring your HH Scott or your phase linear or, or whatever the heck you had. And they would measure that and show you how it was inferior. <laughs> and, uh, and they'd give you, it was cool. They'd give you a little booklet and you came back and said, wow, oh, well, my amp, you know, did this. And of course it's not a Macintosh. And, um, so I, I guess my point is a twofold. One, this whole mindset has been going on long before digital ever hit the street. Mm. Um, number two is that when you go and query experts, just, you know, know that there is one whole group of experts that would completely convince you one way uh, versus you're going to the Gordon Rankins and Paul McGowan's of the world who buy into the cable thing. I can mm. send you over to a whole group of experts with the same degrees that'll convince you that that is completely wrong. So well, actually, well, actually, anyway, anyway uh, end of my of rant. The, well, of all the experts I emailed about the USB cables thing, Everybody came back and said, yes, it can make a difference. Apart from one, I won't reveal it yet, reveal who that was yet, because I'm going to write an article about this. But um, he said, yes, but but maybe. So he said, no, but maybe, but probably yes. So even <laughs> he had to requalify his no. But I'm, I mean, I'm going to people who are well known as DAC designers or digital audio engineers sure. or work in that field. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an, like another example. There's, there are two engineers I've spoken to in the last couple of years here in Berlin. One of them is Klaus Heinz. He's the, uh, the brains behind, uh, we used to be Adam Audio, and now he's got his own company of Head Audio. And I asked him, you know, what do you use measurements for? And he said, well, they can only tell me if I've made a mistake. Yes. They cannot tell me if, you know, how the speaker will sound. Mm -hmm. I could also, not agree more. Right. Jürgen Rice, who I spoke to, I think it was last year. Um, and these are, these, these are interviews, are, you know, they're on camera. They're on my YouTube channel. Jürgen Rice said, yeah, I can, measurements only take me so far. Um, but I can, you know, hear the differences in, I don't know, like different components in different parts of the, the DAC stage. Um, but the, the, the measurement gear won't pick it up. Yep. Now these are engineers that I probably put more stock in than somebody who's just, you know, just bought an audio precision and just wants to whack it onto everything that he, you know, he sees fit. Like, like, like this <laughs> clown. Well, I don't want to. Oh, know, sorry. I'm sorry. This but, fellow, yeah. Um, well, I don't. I didn't. I didn't I'm say that. Sorry. Him. I know we're already in a war, so you know, sabers out. I'm not getting into any sort of mudslinging, but I, I do. You know, I, I always think about this measurements thing as it's it's very one it's a very one dimensional way of looking or analyzing a piece of gear because. You know, we could look at the weather, you know, what the weather did in Spain and Italy yesterday, and they both could have reached 25 degrees, for example, and they both could have seen rain in the afternoon. And we, we you know, if we just looked at those two very simple measurements of weather, we, 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 we pro could probably incorrectly assume that these are both the same country and they're not. Mm -hmm. So I just, I mean, I don't know whether you, I mean, maybe, maybe you can speak to this. I just think that, you know, measurements are, they're only good for people who, <laughs> who get their enjoyment from gear that measures well. Does well, that make sense? I, I would take, yeah, it does make sense. And I would take that um, a step further because as an engineer, I mm. 
I understand that technically we I would never say we can't measure it. We actually mm-hmm. should be able to measure this. If we can hear the difference, mm-hmm. we should be able to measure it. I don't disagree with them at all. The 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 what I where where we disagree is that we currently don't know how to measure perceptual things that we hear as perceptual differences. So mm-hmm. for example, when when you and I might listen to differences in a cable on a on a highly resolving system mm-hmm. and you hear like oh more uh room echo or you hear mm-hmm. um, uh imaging changes the soundstage narrows or or whatever it's doing those mm-hmm. are perceptual changes that i don't know of a piece of equipment that could measure that or even where to start measuring that mm. and I think it could be measured if somebody wanted to spend the time. I, I and I I get people a little angry uh, on our forums because they say we'll prove it, and I say I mm. I I neither have any desire to prove it, uh, nor will I spend any of PS Audio's engineering budget uh, in search of it. it mm-hmm. It's because uh, you know to use another example, if if I. If I love Lady Godiva chocolate compared to Hershey's, um, and I look and both of them have essentially the same amount of sugar and they have the same amount of cocoa, uh, and that's all I'm measuring, there's clearly a difference in taste. The fact Mm -hmm. that the ingredients look identical doesn't, all that says is you're not measuring the right things. Right. And, And I think that's the crux of this, this whole business. And you know, I mean, look, we're we're a company that uh, spends a lot of money. I mean, several million dollars a year in in engineering, and it's expensive, mm-hmm. and uh, it's got to produce products that eventually make revenue uh, for us and keeps our our customers' products up to date. To spend mm-hmm. you know money that we don't have on trying to convince people who will never be convinced that there's a measurable mm. difference. Um, it, it, it seems like a, um, a fool's mission. Well, this is the other thing I'm, I'm sort of, I haven't explicitly asked this of these engineers that I emailed, but the, the, the general flavor of what I'm picking up is that, yeah, we can't prove this because we don't yet know how to measure the differences that we hear. Yeah. And <clears throat> I know that <laughs> this is where, you know, measurement people tend to step in with conspiracy theories and mm. they say, well, Paul McGowan, Jürgen Rice or whoever would say that because they're in the industry and it's financially advantageous f- for them to say that. Absolutely. But, but I would counter that argument with saying, well, if you're the guy that's you know, sitting there saying there's no way there's a difference between USB, ca- you know, between two USB cables, it is also financially advantageous to you to maintain that belief because then you don't have to go out and spend your money. You can stay at home with your <laughs> Amazon basics, USB cable, right? So yeah. it's that, that conspiracy theory cuts both ways. Yes, it and does. Th- and that's important because that often gets lost in the conversation is that not, it's not just companies that financially benefit from <laughs> discoveries or, um, hearing differences or not being able to prove things. Some other people, I mean, for me, I, I mean, I wish there weren't differences in USB cables because it would make my job much easier. Oh and I, then, oh. I, then I could just have like a super basic cable at home. Yeah. But oh, there isn't. Yeah. There isn't. I know. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you a real quick little, little, little story that of, of mm. exactly the same thing. You know, mm. we, we make a DAC, as you know, direct stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that Ted Smith, uh, are the the is the designer, and it's mm-hmm. all based on an FPGA. Yes, and so when we were in development, Ted would send us over. Well, here's a new here's a new version. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to fix this or do whatever, and every single one of them, you know, of course, sounded different because he's changing this and he's changing that to be expected. Raising up the filters, doing you know whatever. Mm. And at one point, we uh, kind of settled in on something, and I don't know how it happened, but he said, I'm going to send over, just to be on the safe side, you know, here's version XYZ, 
I'm going to send over another uh, compilation. It's the same exact code, but I'm just going to compile it again and send it over to you. And he did. Mm -hmm. And it sounded completely different. And I I was, oh, my dear God. Um, And, and, oh, I remember how this, uh, how this happened. We changed something. That's what it was. We changed, I'm sorry, I'm old and I forget. That's okay. We we changed something really dumb. Um, It was something maybe in the pick code on the front panel, but it was something that had nothing to do with sound quality and sent it over and it sounded completely different. And we got into this big argument of how it couldn't. Long story short, it turns out that this is something that we were horrified by. Every time he compiles this giant complex code, mm. it sounds different. And so, uh, and people know, and that, you know, the direct stream owners know that we, what we've done now is try to turn, you know, lemons into lemonade by basically saying, okay, every time Ted comes up with a new thing, he does 20, maybe 40 compiles. And mm. and we sit in the listening room and we find the best sounding of those compiles. And that's what get released. The code is identical. So when you talk to Xilinx, the company that makes those FPGAs, mm. um, one group said, yeah, uh, that makes perfect sense because it's rerouting the entire thing. You know, everything, every time you compile it, the routing inside of the FPGA is completely different. So they, huh. and, but we can't measure any difference. None. So the manufacturer of the chip gets it. Oh, yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah, because, you know, in an FPGA, it's, it's, a, it's just a, a group of gates that you can then program according right. to, to this code. But every time it compiles, it does it completely different. Anyway, uh, so Xilinx understands why those would sound different. Well, they didn't know it would sound different, but they, they said it could be explained by this. But... I, I, the re- whole reason I got off on that was I just, it was just interesting to me that th- that's the last thing in the world that we wanted. You mm. want consistency and right. we didn't get it. So th- th- there's hardly financial gain for us because we give that software away for free. And yet, mm. you know, there it is, but yeah. So I'm so good. what you're saying is, is that there's audible differences in between the different compilations of this of the same release. Exactly. So not only do, does each release sound different. Let me ask you this though, right? Because I, I mean, I've listened to many different, um, re, you know, uh, firmware releases on the direct stream, and I've heard those differences. But if I were to put an audio precision measurement device on the analog outputs of the direct stream DAC, and then flip from one firmware to another, would I see a a difference in the frequency response on the AP? No. None Why not? Whatsoever. Well, because, uh, and, and this is just a guess, mm. the, it, it, the changes in frequency response are not what we're hearing. So right. Ted's, Ted's theory is that it's jitter. And right. the reason that, that he uh, and changes in, in jitter uh, are, are definitely audible uh, mm. we, we experimented with that. And our audio precision is not capable of, of measuring jitter at the, mm. at the levels we're dealing at. But if the compilation puts uh, some of the, the, the processing uh, near the outer edges of the chip where it's mm. really noisy or closer to where the power supplies come in, mm-hmm. um, you, you tend to, it tends to sound worse. So we don't, I mean, that's what Ted theorizes is that it's changes in jitter that mm. are causing it and that the jitter levels are changed with every compilation because the routing within the FPGA changes and you get nearer mm. to sources of jitter like noise, power supply changes, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, inside of a DAC is a really noisy environment. Sure. D- digitally but, noisy. Yeah. I'm, I'm just curious as to, you know, why it doesn't show up on the analog outputs. Or maybe my thinking is because you would think, okay, well, I just put an AP on the analog output of the DAC and that will show me any differences, any audible differences in the frequency response curve. But, but there, also, aren't, there aren't intuitively. Yeah. Sorry, go on, go on. No, no, I just say there aren't differences in the in the frequency response curve and there aren't differences in the noise levels or the distortion levels 
which mm-hmm. is really all an AP can can look at. Right. But we hear the differences between your different firmware versions and many owners do. It's not just me or you, you know, as the, as the oh, manufacturer yeah. of these products, right? It's just, yep. it's definitely audible, but the AP cannot, is not sensitive enough or you're not, not measuring the right thing, maybe. Exactly. Is that what's going Yep, right, that's right. exactly right. It's a crude. I mean, it's nice. We we can like your your uh, your German friend, uh, the designer, suggested to you. We mm. we have multiple APs, and and we use them to make sure we didn't make a mistake. We use them to make sure the distortion is below you know acceptable levels. Mm. Um, the frequency response is where we want it. Um, but yeah, I mean, well. It, it, going into analog design, this this is something that drives people bananas. If we if we make an amplifier that just an analog amplifier or preamplifier mm-hmm. stage, and let's say its top frequency response rolls off at say thirty kilohertz, well mm-hmm. beyond what you and I can hear, we yep. we can measure that on the AP, and mm-hmm. then if we extend that low pass filter out to say a hundred kilohertz. Now we're going from silly to absurd, right? Because mm-hmm. if we can't hear 30, we sure as hell can't hear 100. There is a tremendous difference in sound quality. You, you can huh. hear it instantly. So right. now we know that uh, there, we know some answers to that, depending mm-hmm. on the, the slope of, and the kind of filter that you're using to low pass it. Um, it, um, it'll extend down in, in phase, in, in a phase response, it'll change the phase response within the audible spectrum. And the farther out you take that, I mean, and you, we used to do that in digital, the original ones were just 44 one. And then you got, you know, you had four times oversampling filters and uh, all that kind of good stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and those could clearly be shown and, and you could hear it. So some things, you know, we, we kind of know, but it still drives people bananas. Interesting. You're obviously very good at explaining things. And uh, many people have, will have seen this on your YouTube channel, which sure. has grown enormously in the last three or four years. Actually, it was one of the inspirations for me to really getting my ass in gear. Oh, good. In, in, my, in my own, because I'm just thinking, well, this audience is out there. And obviously, you know, Paul McGowan is reaching it. Um in his own way by, you know, doing tech explanations. I mean, it's not what I do, obviously, but how much of your YouTube channel success informed your decision to go direct sales in the USA? Oh, zero. Right. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's easy. The, mm. uh, our, our decision has been one that we have wrestled over for the last, 10 years. Mm. PS audio has always been, um, we probably not politically correct, uh, refer to ourselves as half pregnant, but, um, (laughs) we, we've always sold direct and to dealers. Uh, Right. Right. Since, since the first day that we ever started the company, we were selling direct. Mm -hmm. We were one of the first audio Mm -hmm. companies to do it in fact. Mm. But uh, that said, the uh, the decision uh, came, you know, I, I, I didn't want to do it and none of us wanted to do it, but the landscape out there in America, not mm. so much like Germany is still going strong with dealers mm-hmm. and Australia and, but in the, in the United States, the brick and mortars um, first went through a transition where two channel audio became fairly unpopular. And in order mm. to survive, they all became home theater installers. Yes, that was yes. sort of the general trend, right? Like, okay, well, this is happening. That's not. And and two channel went to kind of the the back door. Mm. And frankly, a lot of them weren't that great at home theater, so they kind of went away. And the the mm. remaining guys, bless their hearts, are getting fewer and fewer out there to the point where they no longer provide a service to the customers that the customers really deserve. So Mm. years ago, back, you know, in the good old days, back in my (laughs) day, um, dealers (laughs) provided a whole bunch of really great things. They, they, they did the marketing for the audio companies. 
They, they found the customers. They went out and engaged with them. They went to their homes and set up their systems. They would put together great demo packages where, and customers would come in and listen to them and choose what they want. I mean, it was great. They, they really earned their commission, if you will. Mm -hmm. And over time, as this whole thing had morphed, uh, some of the this Amazon effect we we talk about, where online mm -hmm. started right. First, it was mail order mm -hmm. with the audio advisor and all of that, and and then mail order morphed into internet. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, the majority of sales of high end audio gear was doing was being sold over the internet, and they were just mm -hmm. being order takers. I mean, right. Nice, you know some some people, um, and I'll I'll call out uh, Kevin Deal at Upscale Audio. He's one of our mm. big YouTuber guys. Great yes. guy, and yeah, yeah. that's a real service. I mean, I I think Kevin, I admire the hell out of Kevin. I think he's doing great. But mm -hmm. let's face it, most of them don't do that. They they're right. working on price or what. Anyway, so all of a sudden, the customer finds themselves in a position where there's nobody to help them. And um, we've built our company on growing community, on helping customers get to where they want to go, even if it's not with our products. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, people call us all the time. I've got a JBL this and that, and I need some advice. And we just give it to them because we want to foster the community. So that's what made our decision is if we can't treat our customers right with dealers, then we'll do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. But surely the YouTube channel has fostered that sense of community and has probably made yes. you in people's minds more relatable and probably people are less um, shy about picking up the phone and calling you now that, you know, now that they've seen you on YouTube a, a bunch of times. Yeah. So from that aspect, absolutely. Uh, right. There, there's, it's, um, and, and John, you and I have talked about this before that mm. whether it's, you know, the seven years of every day of Paul's post or the 1200 YouTube, you know, videos that I've, that I've produced, mm -hmm. it's, it's showing up every day and working with people and, yes. and helping them, um, without really expecting anything in return. I mm. rarely talk about PS audio. It's mostly, you know, answering their questions or philosophizing and, and mm -hmm. to the extent that it builds trust and that turns out into sales. Yes, that, mm -hmm. I think that clearly has been a, has been a help, but from a personal standpoint, it's not why I do it. Right, right. Well, Paul McGowan, thank you for the most illuminating conversation. Um, I really appreciate your time. That was a, a fantastic, yeah, fantastic chat. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, thank you, John. I, I, I you know, I, I miss uh, us going to dinner in Vegas, and uh, you're you're way over there in Germany, and I never get to see you anymore. But but <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, you're most welcome. All right.